Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Any Questions? Part 3, Suffering and God. Recorded Sunday, July 9th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Well, we are in our third installment in this series called Any Questions. And today I think might be the most difficult question to answer. It's probably the most often asked question of Christians. And that is, if there's a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? It was 28 years ago, and I got a call from the mother of a four-year-old who said that her son had, it was sick, and he was at the hospital. And so, you know, we responded and went and prayed, and he just got worse. He quickly became comatose. So they moved him down to Omaha, to UNMC, to ICU. And he was there for some time. His body kept fighting because he's a four-year-old who's meant to live, but he never came out of that coma. Uh, Made a few trips down there during the course of that time to pray with his mother and the family. And um, mom stayed there the whole time. She never left Omaha, except for one night. Uh, Finally, people convinced her that he was stable, that she could at least go home and sleep in her own bed for one night, get a fresh set of clothes, those things. Got a call from her at about 2 in the morning from here, and she said, Jeffrey has died. And it's the one night I wasn't there. So went and picked her up. We made our way to Omaha. And that's a long ride for for all of us. But she asked the question. I don't remember exactly the form. But she asked the question, why did this happen? Now, how would you answer that question? It's a question a lot of people ask. Like, if there is a praiseworthy God in heaven all loving, all good, why is there suffering in the world? Why are there inexplicable deaths of four-year-olds? Why do bad things happen to pretty decent people? Now, a disclaimer, none of us are immune to suffering. No one here has not suffered at some level or another. I will say I have not suffered as much as some of you have. Now, I've walked with a lot of people through the most extreme forms of suffering, but that was their suffering. I've not endured what some of you are going through. I'm not going to give you shallow answers today. I'm not going to, you know, give you these, you know, popcorn reasons for why. But I do think there are reasons. I do think that we have insight. I think that God is truthful with us. He's honest with us about this topic. And it gets us asking questions when someone goes through something horrific. Like we say, God, if if you are real, why would you allow this? Does this prove actually that you don't exist? I mean, you know, is is God, you just don't care, do you? God, you don't care. Are you punishing me? Is that what you're doing? The the CDC reports that that there will be over 600,000 cancer deaths in 2023, just like there were in 2022 in America. Like 700,000 heart-related deaths 
just like there was last year. You know that in this world at any given time, there are all kinds of natural disasters that, that, that unfold that we have no control over. And, and, and you might be thinking, well, God, couldn't you be doing a little better job being God? I mean, if you were doing a better job, my parents would stay together. If you were doing a better job at being God, I wouldn't be so lonely. If you were doing a better job, that car wreck wouldn't have happened that created so much devastation in our lives. If you were doing a better job, God, my baby wouldn't have died. If you were doing a better job, the Huskers would be relevant again. I know, not very funny, but it's a heavy topic. I thought I'd better throw. You're like, wow, Mr. Sunshine today, you know? Such a beautiful day outside. Why is it so gloomy inside? Well, because I have this topic. <laughs> okay. But what does it show us? You know, I mean, I mean, I, I mean we can live in it and just we can, we can wallow in our misery or maybe we can look for some solutions. Like I would say this, you think, well, you know, this is, is going to sound really simple, but why is there suffering in the world? Because the world's not a safe place to live. God's pretty honest with us about that too. Here's what James says. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. You know what that means. It's like, oh yeah, we just go on, you know, we just trip through life. Like it's always going to be like this. No, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't. What is your life? This is from God. He says it's like a mist. It appears for a little while, and poof. I mean, a morning fog. Now, you might have friends who ask you, a family member, well, if there's a really, because they, they, they identify you as someone who's seeking God. They'll say, well, if there's really a God in heaven, why is there pain? Why is there warfare? Why is there illness? Why are there diseases? Why, you know, fill in the blank. I would guess that everyone here has had to field that question or you yourself has struggled mightily with the question. Well, what's behind it? Let's just be blunt at the first part of this. Some suffering comes from our own sin. If we steal, if we're lazy, and if we lie at work, we will lose our job. If I smoke, chances are that in my life I will deal with the ramifications physically of doing that to my body. If I eat or drink too much, I may get diseases that come from that. If I text and drive, I have a much greater risk of having an accident than if I focus on driving. If I don't work on my marriage, there's a chance that I'll have to work on my marriage in ways that are very painful. If I disobey God in any area of my life, it's disingenuous for me to point my finger back at God and say, why have you done this to me? He tells us from the pen of Paul where this comes from. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh reaps destruction. So that's, he's just saying, look, if you want to abuse your body, if you want to abuse yourself physically, guess what? It's going to create destruction in your body. 
That's what he's talking about. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In other words, if you will turn your life to God and, and find spirituality from God, it's going to create a, a positive harvest for you if you don't give up. It's good's going to come your way if you don't give up. You know, there's all kinds of examples of this reaping, sowing theology in the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the garden. They lost intimate fellowship with their creator in the garden with them. When Moses sinned, he lost his ticket into the promised land. When the children of Israel sinned in the wilderness, they lost a whole generation of people who didn't get to go into the promised land. When David sinned, he lost a son. When Samson sinned, he lost his eyesight. When Mrs. Lot sinned, she was turned into a block of salt. Moo, I mean, bad day, okay? Heavy topic. I just thought it needed some salty humor because it's, it's just, oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at the last service either. But it's in my notes. What can I say? <laughs> See, we can play the blame game. We, 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 James brings this dose of reality to us. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. You know where temptation comes from? It's when, here's, here's what it says, when we are dragged away by our own evil desire and enticed. And after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I mean, it kind of puts it back on us, friend. But to be fair, some of our suffering isn't caused just by us. We probably do plenty of it. But we could also say this, some suffering is a result of other people's sin. Like we're just victims of that. I mean, your child may rebel against you. Your spouse could stray from the marriage and you're a victim of that. Someone who should have been safe instead abused you and it causes years and maybe a lifetime of some kind of trauma for you. Someone rams into your car while they're texting or drunk and by the way, the statistical uh, probability is equal for texting or drunk to run, run into someone's car. I think we should know that. But you might get injured or someone you love. It's because someone else went against God's wisdom and direction in life that we create problems for each other. And most everyone here today has or is suffering because of someone else's fault. Much of the world suffers that way. You know, when we go to places like Nairobi or Guatemala, uh, Mexico for missions work, we see the blatant victimization that people pour on others. That just, it's just like more overt there for whatever reason. Like for instance, when we were in Kenya last year, we visited the house of a woman, the home of one of our students, uh, at the school, and it's, it's his mother, and, and she suffers from extreme and constant seizures. I mean, really intense. And um, when we talked to the family and the caregivers, they said it's not just that, but it's what people have done to her because she's so vulnerable that makes it so horrible because they have used her in horrific ways because of her vulnerability for their own self-gratifying purposes. 
much of the world suffers from malnutrition and starvation. And yet we all know this because we live in the most plentiful place on earth that there's enough food in this world to feed every person in the world 3,000 calories a day. But because of mismanagement, because of greed, because of lack of effort, because of irresponsibility, whatever it is, that doesn't happen. I would guess that most of the suffering that's happening in the world today is caused by either our own behavior or by those who bring suffering to us. So here's another thing, though. Some suffering comes from testing. Here's what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Trials. Now, I don't know about you, but when suffering comes at me, I'm not necessarily jumping on the James train of great joy. Like, that's not really natural. There's not joy in trials at the moment. Because James has to say this, because you know that the testing of your faith, that trial brings testing in your faith, that produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when we're tested, when we have trials, it, we, we can grow in endurance. We can become more mature. We can have completeness that we couldn't have beforehand. We, we even can have everything we need that before we didn't have because we hang with God through the trial. You ever heard of Job? I mean, they wrote a book in the Bible about him. It's in the Old Testament. You read the first chapter and you go, man, this guy had it all. And he did in his day. I mean, he's probably one of the richest men in the world. He had this massive uh, agricultural enterprise and mainly livestock. Uh, but in an instant, it was all taken from him. His ranch was taken from him. His children, 10 children were killed in a horrible catastrophe all at once. 10 children. His health went away. Even his wife told him, curse God and die thanks, babe. Thanks for the encouragement, <laughs> you know. Imagine the grief he was under, and yet here's what it says that he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's not easy. And at the end, we see that God's mercy and compassion came through, because he blessed Job with twice as much as he lost, because God is a God of compassion and mercy, and he's on the long game with us, not on the short game. So Job lost 7,000 sheep. He gained 14,000 in the end. He lost 500 yoke of oxen. He got 1,000 back. Uh, he lost 3,000 camels, and he got 6,000. What are you going to do with 6,000 camels? Just a question. I just wonder. Uh, I think that was like the Uber of that day, so maybe it worked out pretty well for him. He, he lost 500 donkeys. He had 1,000 that he got. Now, Job lost 10 children. God blessed him with 10 children. You might ask, why didn't God give him 20 children? Because God is a God of compassion and mercy. That's why he didn't <laughs> give him 20 children. I love my children, but 10's enough, okay? Most of us can accept at some level that God's gift, his free gift of life and, 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 and how life rolls out for us. 
that, that there's gonna be some challenges that come from our freedom. N.T. Wright says this, we live in a world full of people struggling to be or at least appear strong in order not to be weak, but we follow a gospel that says when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Robert Fulgram says this, life is lumpy, and a lump of, in the oatmeal, a lump in the throat, and a lump in the breast are not the same lump. One should learn the difference. It doesn't take long to learn the difference, does it? You know, when my kids were small, occasionally they, they needed medical attention that I was responsible for. So I remember taking them to a doctor or a dentist, and that brute would do something painful in the, in the office to them, like, you know, the dentist would poke on the wrong nerve, you know, and they'd scream, or, or the, the doctor would give them a shot and it would hurt, or, you know, whatever, you know how it works. Something that inflicted temporary pain in their life. Now, I, 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 I permitted that. I even caused it to happen as a parent because I knew that if this short-term pain didn't occur, long-term ramifications would result that would be much more horrible. I mean, knowing that most likely the pain now would be much better than the long-term result, as a parent, I would allow it and I would, I would give them added comfort and care during that time. Now, that's a good segue into this. Life brings tests. Some suffering allows for God's work to be displayed in that suffering, in that time, in our lives. In some cases, these trials can move us to a better position to live out God's plan for our life. So there's a situation in the Bible that explains this. I think it's really good. It's in John chapter 9, and Jesus is traveling and healing, and his disciples are with him, and they're observing all of this. And they, they come across a guy who the scripture says was born blind. He was born blind. And so his disciples ask Jesus this question. They say, they say, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because back then there was this belief that if someone had something like that, like some lifelong malady, that, that it was because someone had sinned and he was being punished for it. Which, by the way, is pretty common belief today. So he straightened it up right there. He said, no, 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 this didn't happen that way. This happened, he said, in this case, in this case, this happened so the work of God might be displayed. I mean, have you ever happened, had something happen to your life or you've seen it in someone else you thought, man, that's, why am I being punished by God? You know, why is God doing this to me? Well, maybe it's because he allows it to happen because he knows a greater purpose is going to come from it. Like, when, you know, when I was 17, I had a car accident. I, it almost killed me. It required a year of rehabilitation. I still have physical discomfort from it. But I can clearly look back and see how God used that circumstance to, grow, to call me to his greater purpose for my life. Because before the accident, I just thought, hey, I'm 5'7", 17 years old, 5'7", 120 pounds, I'm a, just coming out of my junior year in high school. I'm eventually going to make it to the NBA. <laughs> After the accident, I literally couldn't jump off the ground. So I still thought I was going to make it to the NBA for a while, but it didn't work out. Anyway, my point is this. I think God had a greater purpose for me. Now, obviously, that wasn't going to be the purpose. 
but it changed my focus. And, it, and I think over time, I can see how God has been glorified by something that in, at the time was so horrific for me. He didn't cause that. My parents didn't cause it. I was driving the speed limit. They didn't have cell phones back then, so I wasn't texting, neither was the other guy. He lost control of his car. It slid into my lane. We were both going 60 miles an hour. It was a front-end crash. I had time to pray, oh, God, and I meant it. And then he used that personally challenging, traumatic moment in my life to set a course for a different, a different life. And I'm grateful for it. I wasn't at the time, I promise you. Now, here's, here's another thing. Most suffering just comes from living in this broken world. In Genesis chapter 3, it tells us that Adam's sin and the curses that came from that set their trajectory for humankind. So it says it in chapter 3. You can read all about it. But that's when thorns and thistles came into the environment. It, it's a metaphor, but it's also true. That's when hard labor commenced for Adam. That's a metaphor too, but it's still true. Pain in childbirth began then, ladies. These are real, but they're metaphors for the reality that we live in a broken world. And the scripture says that the rain falls on both the just and the unjust alike. Like, like you say, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have to, look, you're not immune to the suffering of this world and the brokenness of it, no matter what your title is. You know, tornadoes, tornadoes level churches and taverns, church camps and nightclubs, homes of the saved and the seeker, okay? The ball got rolling when the first man and woman failed, and, and we can blame them, or we can also look in the mirror and say, you know, I've helped out too. Like when Jesus came to down the cross for our sins, we put the term our sins in there because it's us too. We're, we're a part of this. It, it started with us and it continues with us. He never promised that you and I will be exempt from it. A knife will cut a piece of bread. It's also going to cut a finger. The force of gravity that keeps me grounded will also not protect me if I fall off a ladder. Okay? The lake that I enjoy, like it's a beautiful thing. It's a very nice place for our, our family to swim and to and to do some fun things, but you know what? It'll kill us if we're irresponsible on that lake. We can drown. The amazing automobile that I jump into and drive down I-80, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, a marvelous machine that's a death trap if I do the wrong things in it. I think you get the point. My observation is this. God most often allows human nature, nature to run its course. Because the creator of all things instilled in all of us something called free will, freedom. It's a dangerous, beautiful quality. It's beautiful because it makes us more like him than any other creature on earth. It's dangerous because we can misuse it. That's why we need to be extremely careful when we use terms like, well, it must have suspend the Lord's will. Or, oh, that's an act of God. Hmm. I think the insurance companies invented that so they didn't have to pay my claim. It's just an act of God. Was it? Certain fixed laws govern nature, 
And God seems rarely to step in and direct the course of nature, very rarely. A friend loses a loved one, and because you don't know what to say, you just blurt out, well, God must have needed them more than you do. Are you kidding me? Please don't. Let's make a pact right now. Raise your hand. I'm going to make you do this. Right hand. Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on. You're here. Do it. I'm going to force this. I don't force everything. I'm going to force. Say this with me. I will never again say that God needs someone more than I do. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Now we're good. I don't want to ever hear it. Fixed laws govern nature. How many times have you prayed that God would make someone change their behavior? God, please make my husband love me. God, change my friend's addiction so that they're no longer addicted. God, make my my child become more responsible and finally get a job. God, please make my wife stop drinking, my husband stop drinking, my kids stop drinking, my parents stop drinking, but whoever. The truth is, that most suffering is a result of living in this broken and fallen world where we then make choices. But you can't blame God in that. As a matter of fact, Lamentations chapter 3 says it's not how he wants it to be. He says, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. The grief comes from our sin, not from that he puts it on us. He will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not, listen, does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. He wants what's good for you. He wants what's good for you. I mean, he's watching over you. I believe this. The scripture says he's, he's behind you. He's, 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 he's here to protect you if you will let him. So the answer to the question, how can you say God is good in suffering? I would say, point blank, Jesus is the answer. I want to remind you that Jesus suffered plenty. He was beaten from midnight until dawn by hate. He endured something called the cat of nine tails. Research it. It's a horrible horrible punishment. He had a crown of thorns jammed down his head and into his brow. He carried a cross up a hill on a hot Jerusalem day. He was nailed to that cross where he hung for hours being mocked and laughed at by the sinners who put him there. Even our sins put him there. He prayed for you there in all of that. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he also prayed this. My God, why have you forsaken me? See, even he asked the question, didn't he? He begged God, where are you? God suffered for you Jesus took the blows. The earth shook. Jesus died. God wept. You were saved. You can't deny that. Or if you do, you're a fool. That's why I believe God is good. Paul grasped this. He wrote about it in Romans 8. And I encourage you to read Romans 8. This is usually the passage I read 
when I'm with someone at the end of their life and I'm there with the family, Romans 8, and I might read verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us when this person's just ready to launch into a new life. But there's more, and I'm going to encourage you to read it. It talks about how, how we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. We'll trust him. During times of our suffering, God is bigger than ever, closer than ever, and more faithful than you can imagine. Through him who loves us, that's how we make it. We sat in that room at the University of Nebraska Med Center. I don't know how long we were there. It seems like days. It was probably just an hour. And Jeffrey's body was there, and he was no longer there. He didn't need that body anymore. He cast it aside. We talked about how he's safe in the arms of Jesus. We, we prayed. I prayed for her and her family. I we prayed, we prayed just that God would bring his mercy. We, we dreamed about how Jeffrey was experiencing beautiful, wonderful that neither one of us could even imagine. These were new concepts to this mother who was devastated by grief. And she said something like this. I need to know God because I need to go where Jeffrey is. Sometimes in our worst pain, we run from God. What a colossal mistake. She ran to God, she will be with Jeffrey someday. When suffering comes, where will you run? Will you pray about that? Lord, when we commune, when we come to this table weekly, we come to a, a God who doesn't run from suffering, a God who embraced it stepped into it, ran to it because you wanted to save us. How can we deny such a heart? There are people here today who just need to know that that's true. Please speak to them, Lord. Amen. That song that we just sang has this phrase that says, I know I will never be alone. Well, you might be if you choose to be. Like, you know, people, uh, people say stuff like this. They say it to me more times than I can. Well, you know, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't need a church. Really? Wait till you start suffering. You'll be glad you had one. Because uh, I get to see both sides of that. Maybe you do too. Where someone says stuff like that, and then they go through stuff, and no one's there for them. Because they wouldn't let anybody in. So then when they need someone, they're struggling, you know, which is so unnecessary. You know, there, there's a, a James, I've been referencing James all day. One of the things he tells us to do is he says, look, you know what, if you're, if you're hurting, you know, if you're in trouble, pray. Not only that, he says, let the church pray. Not only that, it says, go to the elders of the church and have them pray. That's where it can all start 
to reverse itself when you put yourself in God's hand and the fellowship of his people and the elders of the church and you pray with them. It can start there. I don't know what you're going through today. Maybe nothing. Great. Celebrate it. Go out and enjoy this nice warm day. And just celebrate God. You should. But you might be going through something. And you know it's too big for you. And you know that you've tried to carry it yourself, but you just aren't capable of it. So we want to offer you today something. Prayer. And so uh, in this room, just off to the west here of this room, there's a few doors that are going to open up at the end of the song. And there's going to be people there who will pray with you. And we will just pray that God will help you through this current challenge that you face or your concern for someone else and the challenge they're facing. We prayed with a lot of people today. And if you need prayer, our elders are there. They're saying, come to us and we'll open up that pathway with you as a church to support you in prayer. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.